Welcome to Old Dog New Tricks. Everyone has heard this saying before, but today we are going to put that theory to the test. My co-host John and I are focusing on NFTs and crypto communities. We will cover what NFTs are and how internet communities grew from these types of tokens. And with that, how are we doing today, John? Doing well, Austin. Thanks for asking. Excellent. So... Just off the very basic start, how this kind of started and formed was internet communities, right? Everyone has a, a forum or something they like to talk on. And that's kind of how Bitcoin was actually even started to begin with. So Bitcoin was started on a forum and they had contributors that were able to put time in and able to grow their code through participation. And we don't know exactly who created it, but it was a group of people and you can see the all these old forms where the people were adding to. So that's kind of how it was kind of formed. The first little internet community of people who didn't really like what was happening with the current situations and the bailouts right around 2008. And that's kind of what bore or decided or changed the, the, the kind of course of what they were planning on doing. So you kind of see how these little community had grown over time, little people contributing their little expertise, a little bit of knowledge here, a little bit of knowledge here. And that's why all of these things have grown so rapidly. And my thought process is because they are all open source and community owned. So all of these things and that we talk about all the time, community plays a big factor in the growth of cryptocurrencies, I believe, because of the open source and the growth and want for knowledge in these spaces becomes pretty insatiable to people who actually get involved with it. You know, what would be helpful to me, Austin, is to understand a little bit more about the, the concept of community as you're applying it here and how it relates to, to growth in a, in a cryptocurrency. You know, the limitation that I have is I think think in terms of securities, and I try to, to think outside of the box of securities when I think about crypto, and it's, it's difficult for me to do that. So yeah. what that means in this, with regard to this particular topic is that with regard to securities, there's not really a community in the sense that I understand it around a particular security or supporting a particular security. I'm not even exactly sure what that that means. Certainly there's Looks people. Like. Yeah, exactly. People are interested in the in price movements and there's sure. a number of variables related to price movements. So there's communication around but beyond that. that there. There's no camaraderie or, you know, that type of not the kind of cohesive, yeah, the kind of cohesive team thing that you would associate with the term community. So yeah. when I read about crypto and I read about I'm, a I'm actually going to just thought yeah. of this. I'm going to counter your statement. Look at GameStop and AMC. So those have almost, uh, those are securities that have kind of born into this whole internet community thing where it's that us versus them mentality. I think that a lot of the younger generation kind of see as, we are taking over and putting it, sticking it to the man by buying up these stocks that they are continually shorting and, and through nostalgia and stuff like that that we used as kids. They kind of, you know, see what I'm saying? They're, they're, they're kind of banding I, I, together I actually, in that, I that do. aspect. Of, so I, I, I do. I, 
it's not something that the uh, I would say the the uh, OWGs would probably resonate as much with, which is why I see you're kind of seeing the confusion to me. But like in my thought process, you know, like I said, that I, I I found all of the information that I started with just on the internet through just searching and searching and finding like forums through Reddit and Twitter and all these things, and they they kind of come to you as little tidbits of information you start talking with people and then you kind of get to know a person and you're like oh i'm gonna join this group of people and we're gonna talk about crypto together and then they kind of bore us to the next one and you find another group that you're interested in or a specific coin or or thing you're interested in and then they all you'll know, talk to them and you you know, get a few people interested or friends in that kind of circle also so in in the tr- truest sense i feel that like crypto communities and we've kind of seen the evolution of these. They were they started out with just people kind of crowding around one specific currency coin or, or cryptocurrency coin and started a group. And then that's how it kind of bore on, on Reddit. You know, there was like a 10,000 members of whatever coin you are and everyone's all excited and passes all the information around these things. And then they get to know each other. And then we have seen a huge boost in community building with these. So if you don't really know what NFTs are, there is no specific correlation with community and NFT, but I just think they, they lend the most, the most, by their um, very nature, by their very nature, they structure sort of group like attention. They they usually have smaller, smaller supply. There's only usually like, you know, with the whole craze is there's 10,000 of these, you know, there's a 10,000 membership. Right. In the same way that a gaming stock might attract yeah. a certain group. And actually, exactly. one thing that ran through my mind, it, it really captures where the understanding information gap between the two of us is you raised that brilliantly, that notion of game stocks. Yeah. And OWGs, there are some who trade game stocks, but when you say the vast majority of us have never traded game stocks, when yeah. I think Stop. the closest... I, or GameStop, sure. right? Well, yeah. <laughs> GameStop as a game, yeah. GameStop as a game stock. Yeah. The closest I, I think I've ever, I would get to something like that would be, you know, Procter and Gamble or Merck. Yeah, <laughs> just I'm not in the same place. <laughs> yeah, these aren't something you're. These weren't your hobbies when you were growing up, or no, these weren't your no. things, or you know, you're not investing in what like remote control airplanes or something, you know, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So there is no rhyme or reason why NFTs kind of breed community, but in their very nature of how they are structured, NFTs lend themselves to communities. So generally there's a very low supply. The token amount is usually a max of like 10, 20,000. There's not very many tokens. They usually are connected to some sort of artwork that's generally how they have been come into the space there in the future i don't think nfts will only be be artwork or only be something specific i think it's just a it's a different classification of a a cryptocurrency token so we can kind of back up a little bit and kind of explain the actual definition for these so when you think of cryptocurrencies and you think of ethereum we kind of covered ethereum last week ethereum has a token that's made on ethereum is what they refer to as a token standard. So there is ERC-20 and there is ERC-1155s and ERC-721s. So to you, that's all gibberish, but what they each stand for is something specific. ERC-20 tokens are generally 
we're trying to be a currency or some sort of a loyalty reward points or some sort of tracked system, but they're all equal to each other. So one Ethereum equals one Ethereum, you know, one link equals one link. These are fungible tokens and fungible just means that they are always equal, just in the same way that, you know, if I gave you a dollar bill or I gave you a choice of $2 bills, you wouldn't care which dollar bill you took. You would just take a dollar bill. There's no inherent value of $1 bill versus the other, right? So when you get to ERC-721s, which is a non-fungible token, that's what NFT stands for, these mean that one of these tokens, if I present them to you, you might want to choose a different one because of the artwork that's there or because each one of these is a unique token. They're all not created the same. They're not all equal so that there is not really any fungibility to them, right? So just how a, you know, if I showed you two pieces of art and one was, uh, you know, Monet's painting in the park or, you know, me scribbling, which one are you going to choose if those are two tokens? Hopefully the Monet painting, I would assume, right? So in the same fashion... <laughs> yeah, I'm not a good artist. You don't want to see my scribbling. So, you know, the high chance is this one had, you know, even if I told you they were the same collection or whatever, one of them might be more inherently something that you're drawn towards. So they're they're not always created equally. And that's what just NFT stand for is it just means non-fungible token. So like I was saying that these non-fungible tokens are generally small supply they are currently used for artwork art collection and some sort of something art representation they can be like memberships and that's how i usually generally view them myself when i look into a collection of nfts if it's specifically like what they call they refer to them as profile picture nfts uh so pfps is what they call them and it's generally a a new form of like identity that people kind of resonate with. And usually those people enjoy the company of the other people in the group. They usually have some sort of similarities between these people. The ones that I have found that I resonate with a lot or like the doodles, which I, I've talked about with you before. But these, it's just a community of people who are generally, you know, already know about Ethereum and already know are in these platforms that we've all talked about. They have, you know, generally they're going to be around my age, I would say, the 30s and lower. They have just, they're generally nerds because we're also in this kind of early on in the whole category of, of cryptocurrencies, right? And, you know, we have a lot in common. So when I go and meet up with these people online and, and like an actual event that they throw, like I've been to three different events this year, I hit it off with everyone there. They're just the same you would at like a country club. I would say that's your biggest comparison for the for the, the older crowd is, you know, pe some people pay to join a country club where you're rubbing elbows with people cut from the same cloth or have similarities. They all like golf. Y'all like the same things and they're there, you know, there's opportunities there and networking capabilities. And that's my, what I think is one of the most beneficial things about NFTs and community building is how strong your network can become through these, through these avenues. Okay. Now that's really helpful to me, Austin, what you said, I, I can understand. And so what I heard you saying is that in the case of NFTs, those are yeah. collectibles, arguably, or some subcategory yes. of them are collectibles. And so that kind of collectible, like conventional collectibles, 
antique sure. pocket watches, old exactly. cars, you know, they yeah. attract a community of like thinkers with similar exactly. interests. And mm -hmm. so the fabric can be quite, you know, robust. The sure. community fabric, if you will, can be quite, quite robust. Where I think I'm having trouble, and maybe you can help me, is that if we move away from the NFTs and we look yeah. at other uh, cryptocurrencies, how is community defined in those and what are the benefits of participation in the community? So let me give you an example that might be a point for of sure. departure for your elaboration. I know not from going, unfortunately, but from reading that back in July, there was an Ethereum community conference mm -hmm. that took place in Paris. And it was sure. July 19 through the 21st. And so people of some kind of like-mindedness with regard to, or interest or curiosity with regard to Ethereum or Ethereum-based things made their way sure. to Paris for a, a week. And there were talks by the co-founders and other notables involved in Ethereum. There were a, a, events, there was education. It was both for social sure. and learn a few things, you know, kind of like a typical industry conference or trade show. But where my understanding started to fall apart is when they talked about the strength of the community of Ethereum. I thought, well, is there a community for, you know, Polygon? Is, a, is there a community yeah. for Diab? I'm just lost yeah. here now. <laughs> I for don't sure. know what yeah. it means and how it's so beneficial. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, just how I was talking about like the value of your network kind of growing and and I think that's one of the biggest benefits to me. And when I picture what you're talking about, the Ethereum conferences, they have Ethereum conferences everywhere. There's ETH Denver, ETH Austin, like the one you said in Paris, they're, they, they're all over the place. They're, they, they're, they're traveling a world for these conferences. And again, it's kind of spreading the the notion of what Ethereum is. You know, it's 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 not really a end all be all of it's just a currency it's just a this it's just a this there's there's multiple you know it's such a all-encompassing thing just how you would go to like how you said like a trade show for something you're interested in there's a lot of a lot of overlaps in you know what ethereum can accomplish so what i kind of see the the benefit and value of these things are you get to like you said you get to learn about these things if you've never heard about blockchain or cryptocurrency before so if you're a new person a neophyte to these kind of realms you can kind of go and learn if you're an intermediate you already know what you're kind of doing you get to expand into what other things that you might enjoy that you wouldn't have known about previously there's going to be hundreds and hundreds of booths of people, you know, this is my product. These are my products that I build on Ethereum. And that's kind of the nice thing about these things. It's it's not such a rigid, structured thing. You know, if I wanted to fire up a company on Ethereum today, you know, me and you could go make Austin John coins right now. You know, within, I could make a coin for us in five minutes. Old dog, new trick coin where you can, you know, I don't have to pay anything. I've created this and I can create a community around it because other people may want to learn about our education system or learn about what we're doing. So that kind of entails to me, it's, it's all of these things are born from the community, just how Ethereum was kind of born from the community. Like you, it's a bunch of people who decided to run nodes and mine together. You know, there, there's no, we're not, there's no like 
one person in charge is kind of the thing. And I think that's kind of the mentality that we've had a desync on is it's all of these things are, are born from people choosing to take their time and effort and they may not always get monetary rewards. Like people who don't just run a, a, a node of Ethereum or a node of Bitcoin, you know, they have no benefit to them. They don't get monetary rewards. They just get the, the, they know that they are securing the network for everybody else. So these things are, I think, born from the idea of community. There's like that whole thing we talk about, like meritocracy, where the more you put, the more effort you put into your system, the the you know the the more likelihood you're going to succeed in this in this area of cryptocurrencies. You know, you, you can you can learn a bunch of things through other people very easily. You know, I find people all the time that are like. Hey man, I love how you do your podcast. I'd love to start doing a podcast. Is there any tips? And you know, I give them tips, and then I learn something from them. They're like, "Oh, I was a video editor." Can you know, like, "Oh, wait, we can trade information there." Like, I can learn how you do video edit. I can show you some podcast editing, and and it's just a. I I think that's kind of where it, it kind of bores from, if that makes sense. What do you think there? You know, it it does, and and actually, as I was listening. To you describe it, Austin, two things came to mind. I had recalled reading just a, a, a short paragraph by, I think it was the the honcho for Ethereum in, in France. And, and so, and actually I think I have it here somewhere. Oh yeah, communities are at the heart of the Web3 ethos. For sure. Whatever the economic context, communities are what remains as they strive to ensure an ecosystem survives. ETH is and will continue to be the perfect place to nurture our community, strengthen ties between us, and focus on doing what Ethereum folks do best, sharing knowledge and building for the future. So in my yeah, exactly. mind, what, what I'm hearing... Yeah, what I'm hearing, but what old, old white guy hears is is business development. Okay, this yeah. is about business development. They call it community. I get that. I would call it business development because that's what I'm used yeah. to. But now, now I can broaden my. But definition. anyone can join that business. You know, like you start, yes. you fire up a company. You know, you hire employees. You you do all these things. Where now with Ethereum, if someone has something there, they can't solve or you know a coder comes to a, a head and a head and where he can't can't solve this issue you just toss it up online and say anyone have any thoughts about this and then people go and work with it together they it's all like freelance and there's a lot networking. of that going around which network yeah exactly you're networking my, with other my, people my, and other coders and so, it's so an open-ended business that's why it's and that's why i think it's growing so rapidly it's why i talk about this as the open source values here you know we're you're growing up in a country of, or like in a times of like highly trademarked, highly IP rights are super valuable. And, you know, all these things are, you know, I own the rights and the royalties to these things. And I think a lot of the coding in Ethereum is completely open source. So people can bake their own things. They can build their own things in Lego. You know, they're like building blocks. You, you can take these 10, 10 contracts that help, you know, build and store money in vaults, then you want to lend those vaults to other people. And, you know, those are three things that already have been made already. You can just take those contracts and add them to yours, and then you can build a different platform aggregating all of them together yes. for yourself and for other people. Yes. 
You know, you, you really, these last comments that you just made, what was going on in my mind was two things. One is I'm expanding my definition of community to embrace yeah. its use in crypto, but also it invites the question, at what point does the expansion of the community in a particular area of crypto and the transparency of it and the everybody has an opportunity to do it aspect bump into IP, bump into intellectual property and, hey, that's mine sure. and I created it. And, you know, that's an interesting, there's never an answer there, but it's just an interesting sure. dynamic is to see how that plays out. Because on the one hand, the openness encourages innovation. Innovation. Uh, to some, to, sure. to, to some, to some degree, of course, it gets the, the, the tinkerers involved. It gets the blood so flow and you get to read all the other creations that other people make and then, oh, that one little idea snaps and now we're, you know, two years later, we have the entirety of decentralized finance has been born because you walk one over person the bridge, created it. You walk Go over ahead. the bridge from cooperation to power and money. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we are seeing that happen. You know, we see there's a ton of, I would say, competitors of Ethereum that are are the wolves and sheep's, you know, the sheep, the wolf and sheep. The wolf and sheep, absolutely. Where they're 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 not really here for that purpose. They're just trying to make money, and you can see that they, you know, their goals are these. They have patents on all of their their little their, you know, their little extra creations for blockchain. You've seen, you know, J.P. Morgan has, uh, you know, two hundred and something failed patents on blockchain tech because these are all open source already, and they're trying to find one thing to patent so they can make money off of it. And I think that we're in that bridge between these things where we're going to have some of that overlap. We've seen some of and what NFT projects where people are sending like cease and desist. You're using my property, uh, my intellectual property. We've seen that happen. You know, it just depends on whoever makes their own coin. They can choose to have those in the rights of the contract. You can say this is 100% open source. Anyone can use it. CC zero. Or you can say the, I have rights to these things. You only have distribution. You, this is my, still my intellectual property. So there's both, there's, it's room for all of it too, because you can choose what you write in your contract, how you would write in any. And I just think that it's something, I mean, we've seen that now there's, there's a, there's a platform called Uniswap, which is one of the largest swapping platforms on Ethereum. They had their, your version two has been used by like literally every swap platform in existence. They copied it and changed it up a little bit and added their own flair. But their V3 has a a proprietary license that lasts for like three years or something like that. So once that is over, then then it won't be. Well, it'll be who, who's the, who's the license issuer? Uh, the, the, the lawyer in me is very curious. I don't know about that. There is no like specific license. It just says in there. I can't remember. It's like GP. I'll look it up. We'll talk about it next time because we're, we're getting yeah. close to ending. But it's it it's like open GPL. It's like a specific software licensing that you can choose to ha- include in I software. See. I see. The same way that you would for like any software that's online or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating area. The area specifically where the open and free movement of thought and innovation bumps into the creation of of law and rules, legalities, for property, yeah, for for property sure. protection. It's, it's very 
it'll be a very challenge. I'm sure, and even now, it's a very challenging, very difficult area. Yeah, but the but government yet, level, I mean, we've seen it happen. Like, are the all these going to be SEC regulated? And we're seeing now that like they are trying to push more towards the commodities aspect of these things, right? So, do you think all these things pass the Howey test? The Howey's test was invented what seventy years ago or something like. Does that hold validity to any of this? No. Like you're talking about orange groves and someone trying to scam people into that. You know, this is a completely different sector where people are choosing to group together and build these things together. There is not a, you know, generally there's not going to be a, I expect returns or I expect these things. These are just, you know, first person there gets the most returns because guess what? They took on the most risk and these are all mathematically built. So that's where I see it a lot of, and it's kind of, it's, I mean, it's very self-regulating itself, but you know, we'll, we'll see how regulation actually plays out. You bet. And, and also the, just on further thought on that topic, the international question. So, yeah. you know, if I, if I, I create something that's a real contribution and I'm somewhere over there, yeah. uh, wherever over there is, and my group yeah. has added real value uh, and I want to protect that. Well, you know, how, how do I go about doing that? And if there is litigation, on a scale, where, yeah. where who has jurisdiction and where does the fight take place? <laughs> it's exactly, pretty, a lot of <laughs> it's tough, a tough questions. One. I got a lot of you. tough stuff for sure. Yeah. yeah. But we're pretty much out of time here. We're just trying to talk about getting that mindset of community building through crypto is just a little bit different than what some of the older generation might, you know, we brought up some really good questions today. Homework wise, you know, I would just say if you haven't gotten anything going, you know, these are good times to be purchasing Ethereum and Bitcoin. We're pretty low. Just how we were talking about the last episode. If you're, if you didn't listen to that one, that was a good episode to actually get you going and started in the space. But we'll catch you next week on another Old Dog New Tricks. We'll see you guys later. Enjoyed it, Austin. Thanks so much.